glad that you're back. And um, I don't know if you realize this or not, but on Wednesday of this week, Misael had the privilege of being able to preach at the chapel service at Oklahoma Baptist University. And uh, we uh, have a lot of spies on the inside, and they all just bragged on him. They were proud of him, did a great job. So thanks so much for doing that, for encouraging my daughter and my future son-in-law and just the other students that were there. That's really, really cool. And so that's great. Well, it's great to see you. Go ahead and take your Bibles out and turn with me to Acts chapter 22. That's where we're going to be today. And one a day like today, I just every Sunday for me is special, but there are some services where we have the opportunity to do something that we don't do every Sunday. And so at the end of our service today, we'll have the privilege of being able to receive the Lord's or celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And so I think it's just intriguing to me how God manages our schedule, whether we know things or not. But a while back, we started putting together, Chris started putting together the path for our sermon series. And then later we put together, hey, when will we take the Lord's Supper? And I just think it's the providence of God that on a day with a topic like this, that we would also be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And so I'm excited about that, and you'll understand that more in just a moment. But we are in a series called Extraordinary Obedience. And if anything I've learned about God, it's not so much that my obedience is extraordinary. It's that I'm just an ordinary guy doing ordinary things, and I get to obey an extraordinary God. And it's through, it's through just me simply walking with him on a daily basis that my life is transformed by the gospel and my experiences are different. My, my world is changed around me, really not because I'm that smart or not because I'm that capable and not because I'm that holy or righteous, but because I have this privilege of walking with a holy, a righteous, capable God. And he does extraordinary things on my behalf as we walk together. That's what this series has been about. And if you've been reading through the daily Bible readings with us, which I hope you have, they're available online, they're available on our app, and we're just really trying to read through the Bible all together this year. It's about four chapters a day. If that's a little too much for you, then pick one chapter a day. Just pick something and read along with us. And And if that's a struggle too, or if maybe you haven't started yet, or if you've gotten behind, that's fine. Just pick up right where we are, and let's keep moving forward together. But over the past several days, we've been in the book of Acts over the past several days. And one of the things we've seen in the book of Acts over and over and over again is the Apostle Paul tells his story over and over and over again. And in Acts 22, from Acts 22, really through 26, 27, 28, we see the Apostle Paul tell his story, the story of his faith. Feels like we read the same story three or four times in just a, in a short time period. And so before we even read the passage of Scripture, and it's going to be a little bit of a longer passage of Scripture, we're going to read about 21 verses. But, uh, but as we read the story of Paul's faith, and as we think about coming to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper here in just a little bit. Let me just encourage you to do something for just a moment. Would you take a moment right now to just think about your story of faith? Think about that for just a moment. What was your life like before you met Christ? I'm not talking about church. Church is important, and I think that matters, but I'm not talking about that. What was your life like before you met Christ? And just consider that for a little bit. And then, who was it 
that introduced you to Christ? How did you come to believe and to understand and to know and to trust that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world? How did that come alive inside your heart and mind? Not just the realization that, hey, this Jesus guy was kind of a nice guy and I respect what he had to say and I respect what he did. Not just the I have a knowledge of or an understanding of the historic Jesus, but where you actually became introduced to him in some kind of personal way, where you recognized that his mission in life, his mission in death, and actually your hope in life and death is nothing more or less than Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead to take your sin and mine, to forgive us and to establish this incredible relationship between us and the God of all creation. Who introduced you to that? And how did you come to place your faith in him? Just think about that for a minute. And now, think about the next step. You've placed your faith in Christ. You're forgiven of your sin. You're free from the rules of the world, right? We don't have to live by the rules of the world anymore. I mean, practically, there's some laws we should obey, right? But, but that law of sin and death that separates us from God, that law of sin and death that, that breaks every human relationship we have, that law of sin and death that makes us fail over and over and over again through the blood of Christ, you've been set free from that. And now James, the book of James says, we live under a new law. It's called the law of liberty. The law of liberty says, I'm free so I can follow Christ. I'm free so I can say yes to righteousness and no to sin. When temptation comes, I don't have to give in anymore. I can, instead of go my own way, I can go his way. I don't have to be ruled by my hungers and my appetites and my addictions and my oppressions and my depressions. And I don't have to be ruled by my feelings and my emotions and my anxieties. And I don't have to be ruled by the history of the horrible things that people have done to me. Excuse me. I just don't have to be ruled by that anymore. Because that's what the law of liberty says. You're under a new law. So now that you have remembered what your life was like before Christ, and you've remembered who it was that introduced you to Christ, how you came to place your faith in, take some time to just think through, what's your life like with Christ now? How are you seeing him move in your life and around the world today? Because he is at work. And I'm going to push on you all day today, just a little bit. I'm going to push on you. And the way I'm going to push on you is I'm going to push on your story. Because as I ask those questions, some of you may have sat here and gone, yeah, my life, I don't know that I have a life before Christ or after Christ. I have a life in church, going to some meetings. And I know some facts about who Jesus is. And I've read some stories about some religious things. But... I don't think my life has been transformed by the grace of God. I don't even know what that means. I think I'm still living under this old law. That Would you call it the law of sin and death? I think I'm still stuck in that. I don't know anything about freedom or liberty or the idea that I don't have to be ruled by my depressions and anxieties and feelings and history. And I don't have to be ruled by that anymore. I, I don't have to be ruled by my addictions anymore. I don't really know anything about that. 
Well, the press is if you are thinking those things, then maybe today is a day I would have the privilege of introducing you to who Jesus is and what it is that Jesus has done. And so I hope you'll listen and you'll pay attention and you'll notice what takes place at this table as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we'll talk about more towards the end of the service. But think about your story because the whole premise of what we're about to talk about today is this, this one thing. The whole idea, the whole focus is this one idea. And I actually think, as I think about the series, Extraordinary Obedience, uh, we didn't come to this idea early enough to really make the most of it. But I really think this whole series is wrapped around the idea that I'm about to share. It's going to be on the screen. It says this. It's the, it's the idea that the credible, the, the, the credible story of a changed life is incredible evidence of the power of God. The credible story of your changed life is the incredible evidence of the power of God. And every time Paul told his story, it was really easy to see that his life had been changed in a dramatic way by his interactions with who Jesus was and with what God did. And one of the problems that I think we face today is I think sometimes we hear the story of people like Paul, or maybe we have some friends who grew up in really terrible, ugly conditions and circumstances, and then they're somehow miraculously, dramatically saved out of those circumstances, and Paul is certainly certainly one of those stories. I mean, Paul's story is filled with blood and rebellion, and I'm guessing that's probably not your story, Um, but Paul's story. And so somehow we start to think, well, my story is just not that important. My story is just not that big. Nobody wants to hear my story. Well, can I tell you, that's just not true. Your story is unique. No one ever in the history of the universe will ever have your story in all of time. Your story is important because it's a story that God's writing in you and through you. So I hope today that you'll come to value your story. And even as we look at this very dramatic story of Paul's transformed life, even as we look at that, I hope you'll recognize that that history you have of my life before Christ and how I came to Christ and what my life is like now as I walk with Christ. I hope you'll recognize that is so important. And whether it's big or small, whether it's dramatic or simple, whatever your story may be, it's yours and it's valuable and it's important and, and it's worth telling. And so I hope we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out today. Let's take a look at Scripture. Let's take a look at what it says. Acts chapter 22 is where we'll be. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 21. I'm just going to have us remain seated uh, this time. At the end of my reading, as an act of worship, just to acknowledge the fact that we're reading God's Word, I would love for you to respond in worship. I'll say, this is the Word of the Lord, and you'll say, praise be to God, as an act of worship. So let me just read this to us. It's a really interesting passage, because again... It's just Paul telling his story. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you are today. I persecuted this way to the death. 
binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders, from whom I also received letters, and the brethren went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed. Well, let's just pause right there on verse 5. Paul, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I, I, I probably should just say that. This is the word of the Lord. There you go. Thank you for reminding me of that because we're going to read all 21 chapter verses here in a second, but I got stuck on verse 5. Let's just pause there for a second because that's Paul's history, right? I persecuted the church of God greatly. I rounded up followers of the way. That'd be Christians. I rounded them up. I tortured them. I I. I forced them into denying their faith by beating them and abusing them. Some of them I even, it says by blood, I killed. I punished them. That's his history. I bet your history is not like that, but it doesn't mean your history is not important. Then you get to verse 6, and now he's talking about, well, this is how I came to know Christ. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said... What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see from the glory of the light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that, it should, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So there's how he met Christ. It had this miraculous element where Jesus came to him and said to him something that he was incontrovertible. He just couldn't avoid it anymore because Jesus approached him and drew him to himself. And then Jesus used a man named Ananias. Could you imagine being Ananias? Could you imagine being the one that, you know, Saul's in town and Saul's persecuting Christians and now God's saying to you, hey, Ananias, I want you to go talk to this guy, Saul. Um, God, I don't think you've heard, but he's killing people who believe what I believe. Are you sure I should go do that? And God's like, yes, you should go do that because this Paul is going to do some, I've got some incredible plans for this Paul. You got you to go talk to him. So in the story of Paul's faith, there's this drawing that Jesus does. And then there's this person who comes and introduces him to his faith. Isn't that what happened to every one of us who have believed? It may not have been this blinding light on the road to Broken Arrow. It might not have been that. It might not have been this moment where we're surrounded by people and all of a sudden these crazy, miraculous things happened. But Scripture's really clear that if we're a follower of Christ, the reason we follow him is because he came to us and he drew us to himself. And then in his miraculous grace, he surrounded us by people or with people who could introduce us to who he is. Who are those people for you? 
as you were drawn to Christ, who were the people who helped you understand? Who were the people who spoke his grace and his faith and his word into your life? You know, there's another version of that question, right? I wonder who you're introducing to Christ. Are you an instrument of God's grace in someone else's life? When was the last time God was drawing someone to himself and you got to be the one who made the introduction? Hey, let me tell you what this faith is. This thing that you've been blind to where God is open. Let me open up your eyes. Let me help you see what it means to be a follower of Christ. When was the last time you had the privilege of doing that with someone? That's something God calls, he gives every believer not just the call to do it, but the privilege of being able to do that. And this is part of Paul's story. And then you get to verse 17. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and go out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. See, that's Paul's life after the moment. Hey, I've given you a significant task. I've given you an amazing calling. And that amazing calling is to do something that the Jewish people had never really considered even as an option before. I want you to go to the people that the Jewish people think are the furthest from God. Your calling is to now go to them and share with them the grace of who Jesus is. I'm drawing them to myself, Jesus would say. And Paul, you get to be the one to introduce the Gentiles to who I am. God's done that for you too. There is an after to your encounter with Christ where God reached into your heart and through Jesus saved you and through one of his disciples, he introduced you to who God is and who Jesus is and to what it means to be forgiven and to this idea that I don't have to live by the world's rules anymore because I can live by the law of liberty. And now he's looked to you and said, I've given you a significant calling. And that calling comes out of your God-inspired story. You see, that's the thing I think I really, I'm going to use the word hate. That was the one that first came to mind. But maybe, uh, maybe disappointment is a better word. But I just, I hate the fact that people would think that their story is somehow small. That their story, that your story is somehow unimportant simply because it's not as dramatic as Paul's. Or maybe you weren't that person who came out of addiction. Or maybe you weren't that person whose life was just crushed by people and you've been abused and used. Maybe that's not your story. Maybe your story's like mine. My story is... My story, I just feel so blessed because of my story. My grandparents were followers of Christ. And my mom and dad were followers of Christ. I was born... Uh, I I was born on a Sunday, and I felt like I was born in a pew on that Sunday because my parents joined First Baptist Moore the year before I was born. And there was a season in my life where my dad, who was not a pastor, he didn't feel like he was even qualified to be a deacon. There was a season when we were in church every time the doors were open. And I was not that kid that was just a hellion rebellious kid. I just wasn't that guy. I was the boring kid that just kind of did what mom said, right? I was just so boring. And so I never had that moment where I just rebelled and walked away. I just didn't do that. 
And by the time I was nine years old, I had heard for years that Jesus was the answer. I just never had the presence of mind to ask the question, what did he answer to? <laughs> what did he answer to? I don't know. Yet somehow, when I was nine, I started asking that question. You know why I started asking that question? Because like Paul, there was this moment when Jesus was drawing me to himself. And then uh, I started asking those questions to my Sunday school teachers. I started asking my question, those questions to my mom and dad. And it was the Saturday night, one week before Easter, when I was nine years old. Our church was having some services throughout the week. We called them revival services. And on that Saturday night, it happened to be youth night. I was too young to actually be in the student ministry, but I came anyway. I sat on the edge of a pew on about the fourth, third, or fourth row. And I, I really can't explain what happened other than I got it. I just got it. Jesus was the answer. What's he the answer to? Well, I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I'm broken by the decisions I've made. I'm nine. It's not like I'm an axe murderer yet, right? All of my best sins I've committed since I was saved, right? All of my greatest rebellion has happened since I, was a, since I became a believer. But at nine, God did something in me that transformed my heart because he drew me to himself. And then one of those Sunday school teachers, when I walked down an aisle... I didn't walk down an aisle. That's not what saved me. I walked down an aisle because the preacher said, hey, if you want to know more about what it means for Jesus to be the answer, you should come talk to somebody. So I did, and I placed my faith in Christ. And I can honestly say my life has never, ever been the same. At 14, I was at a camp, and I really started feeling like God was doing something in my heart again. And what he was doing was he was calling me to serve him by serving the people of his church. So here I am. And then you know what happened at 17? Man, 17 was tough. I had a history teacher who encouraged us to read other religious texts. I read the Quran. I read New Age mysticism, uh, some Eastern philosophy and things like that. And, and at 17, reading the Quran and the Book of Mormon and a variety of pagan texts and other things like that, I... I don't know. I've always been interested in great stories. And man, those are some great stories. And I started asking the question, why is my book? Their book says it's God's book. Why is my book any better than their book? It says it's God's book. Their book says it's God's book. And it took me down this path that really was, in the moment, felt very devastating to my faith. I started to doubt, and I started to deny. It really, uh, I didn't know what it, I didn't have the language for it then, but I do now. It sent me into a severe depression uh, because the foundation of everything I had thought and everything I had believed was under attack. And uh, that depression got scary for my parents um, because they weren't sure whether or not I'd make it through it. And if I made it through it, what I would look like on the other side. It just happened that way. And you know what? Through the middle of all of that, God was faithful. And in his faithfulness, he drove me to spaces and to people and to places where I started studying scripture in ways like I never had. 
I started investigating my own faith in ways like I never had. And I came out on the other side of that journey, not with the childlike faith of a nine-year-old, but with the mature faith of an adult. Not with the faith of someone who believes it because mom said so or because I just grew up in this culture, but with the faith that is the unshakable faith of someone who's explored their doubts and explored their denials and explored their divisions and explored their excuses and explored their depression and come out on the other side and gone, this Jesus is real and this faith he's given me is true and it's relevant and it's valuable. And from that moment on, I've never looked back. That's my story. No blood in my story. No persecution in my story. I've had a blessed life, and I'm so thankful. But you know what? My story is important, and it's worth sharing. And so is yours. You know why? Because your story is God-inspired. It's a God-inspired story. And you know what else I've found? It's funny to watch you all as I tell my story. People are interested in hearing your story. They're interested in knowing you and knowing about you. I was in England on a mission trip, and I got to share my testimony in a school. It's just a regular public school. They have religion classes in English schools. And so I shared my story. (laughs) And afterwards, this sixth-grade boy comes up to me, and he's a really sharp kid, very into science, very smart. He's one of the highest-scoring students in their school. And he comes to me and goes, So let me get this straight. You believe there was a guy in the Middle East, yeah, who lived historically, yes, and then he died, yes. He goes, okay, I can can go with that. I get that. there's, there's There's enough evidence to prove that. But let me get this straight. You're an adult, right? Yes. And you believe he came back from the dead. And he just laughed at me, and I said, absolutely, I believe that. Absolutely, I believe that. You know why? Because I've seen how his life has transformed mine. And I am the evidence. If you're looking for scientific evidence for faith, here I am. My life would be completely different without Jesus. I wouldn't be doing this today if it weren't for Jesus. You wouldn't be sitting here today if Jesus didn't have some element of drawing you to himself. I'm the evidence That Jesus is alive and living and active and powerful, just like his word. He is the word who is sharper than any two-edged sword. He is the one who convicted me. He is the one who's transformed my life. I'm the evidence. And then he just laughed at me, and he's like, yeah, I don't get it. And I'm like, guess what? You will. Because I don't think guys like you ask questions of people like me like this if God's not doing something in your heart. You're interested in my story, and you know why? Because you're interested in Jesus. And at that point, he just smiled and walked off. He's like, whatever. I don't know what's happened to him at this point. But I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I believe people are interested in your story. Actually, I don't know about faith online, but I do know this. We love hearing and seeing the weirdness and the oddities of people's lives so much that we have 
apps devoted to it, right? You can doom scroll through TikTok and through Twitter and through Instagram and we snap each other and we be real with each other because we're just so interested in what's going on in your life and what's going on in your life. And then you've got YouTube shorts and YouTube and you've got all these different sites that we spend Our culture spends hours creating things for and then digesting things from because we just want to know what's going on in somebody else's life and in your life and in their life and in his life and in her life. Tell your story. It's important. And people, they love, they love, they're interested in what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced. And here's the thing. I think we forget it. That your story is, it's the divine story of God's relentless affection for you. I think we just kind of take that for granted. Oh, I just wish somebody loved me. Oh, I just wish I wasn't so alone. Oh, I just wish. And isn't that the premise of every Disney movie? I wish. And yet God is looking to you in your story and saying, I I have this relentless affection for you. I love you as you are. And as you are, I want you to know that I am always with you and I am for you. Will you trust me? That's what your story is. Your story is your story. But you know what the best part of your story is? Is It's the story of God alive and at work in you and alive and at work in our world. That's your story. The things that have broken you, he has the power to heal. The things that you have broken, he has the authority to fix. The opportunity to offer forgiveness. The opportunity to confess when we're wrong. The opportunity for Jesus Actually, the Old Testament says it like this, because we live in a city, we may not get it, but he says, he'll restore the years that the locust has eaten. Now, if you're a farmer and you've got crops and the locust come through, comes through and eats all your crops, that's all your livelihood for all year long and maybe for several years. It's just devastating when the locust come through and eat all your crops when you're a farmer. But scripture says in the Old Testament that God has the power to restore the year the locusts have eaten. Man, the story of your faith might begin with the locusts have eaten my life. Everything about my life is not like yours, Chad. My life is not blessed. I grew up in a broken home. I grew up abused. I grew up surrounded by addiction. I gave in to the addiction. I grew up with depression and anger. I grew up with all of these abusive things. Your story and mine's not anything alike. So why would I possibly believe? Why? Well, because the years of your life might have been eaten by the locusts, but God has the power through his son Jesus to restore the years the locusts have eaten. That's your story. It's an incredible story. And and you already heard the pattern, right? Think about your life before Christ. Who was it that introduced you to Christ? And now, what's your life like since as you walk with Christ? Your life today with Christ, my life today with Christ, is very different than it was when I was 17 years old. I came to an adult understanding of who Christ was at 17, but I've grown since then. And my understanding of who he is and my relationship with him, Londa and I this year will celebrate our 28th anniversary. How cool is that? That's awesome. And our relationship is deeper and better than it's ever been. I know her in ways that I couldn't have possibly known her her the first year we were married. Um, 
She's never been married to someone this old before. <laughs> and it's been really entertaining to see her figure out how you get along with a guy this decrepit. You know, it's just one of those things that she's figuring out. She's really good at it. It's so much fun to see and to be a part of. That should be your relationship with God. Your relationship with God tomorrow should be tighter and closer and better than it is today. It's actually one of the things that I hope for and pray. There's going to be this day when I close my eyes here and I open my eyes in heaven. It's the day of my death. That'll come. You know what one of my hopes is? One of my hopes is, is that every day I'm growing a little closer and a little closer and a little closer to Christ so that on the day when I close my eyes here and I open my eyes in heaven, that the change just isn't that big. That because I walked with God, like Enoch walked with God, that there just comes this moment when God says, it's time to come home. Close my eyes here. And I open my eyes in heaven. And it just feels like home. That should be your story. That you're walking with God. And here's what God's done in my heart and life today. Sometimes there's bumps and obstacles. Sometimes there's bruises. Sometimes I mess up. Like I said, all my best rebellion has happened since I was saved at nine, right? And somehow God's found a way to forgive me of it all. And somehow he's found a way to redeem it all. And somehow he's found a way to use it all as a way to help encourage other people in their faith, as a way to be the one who introduces Christ to those he's drawing to himself. It's just one of those things. I know that sometimes sharing my faith creates tension. It did with Paul. If you read on in the rest of the passage, you see that that happens. He shares his faith, and then somebody punches him in the face. <laughs> um, I think we shouldn't let I, I, that kind of tension stop us. We should be bold in sharing our faith. And Paul has this moment where he's kind of mouthy. He Hey, who are you to punch me? I'm a Roman citizen, and you, you don't even know the law. The law says you can't do that. And then he realizes he's talking to the high priest, and he has to back up a little bit and be gracious and ask for forgiveness. Oh, I didn't realize you're the high priest. You actually do have the authority to command somebody to do that. Sorry, didn't mean to be disrespectful. Sometimes when we share our testimony, we have to be bold. Sometimes in our approach, we should be kind and gracious. We might have to back up. But here's the other part of that that I think is beautiful. Matthew chapter 10 promises that when it's time for you to share your faith, that in that moment, God will give you the words to say, well, Chad, I'm not a preacher. That's great. You don't have to be. Well, Chad, I'm not good at speaking. Neither was Moses. Well, Chad, I'm just not so good at That's okay. I don't know your story. You do. I can't share your story. You can. You're the only one who has it. Well, what if they tell me my story's wrong? Who are they to tell you your story's wrong? It's your story. It's your experience. Be bold, be kind, be gracious, and then just rest in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. I'm going to ask Jesus to come and play for us. And as he plays, we're going to have a moment of invitation because in just a moment, we're going to step into the Lord's Supper. And you know what the Lord's Supper is? The Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians says, it's a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's a reminder of the blood that he shed and the body that was broken so that we could have this incredible, miraculous story of faith. And so in just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to remember the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to have an opportunity to do that. But before we do that, I really need to give you an opportunity to place your faith in Christ. 
If you're not a follower of Christ, maybe today you've heard these things and you think, that's what I need. I'd like to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. I want to know this Jesus. If you'd like to do that before we receive the Lord's Supper, before we celebrate that, then place your faith in him. There's no magic formula. Just simply say, Jesus, I'm I'm lost. I need your forgiveness. Would you come in my heart? Would you save me? Would you do in my life what you did in Paul's life and what you've done in Misael's life and what you've done in Chad's life and the lives of so many people are here? God, would you rescue me from my sin? You can do that. If you want to know how to, if you'd like to have someone lead you in a prayer or lead you in that process, then as we sing in just a moment, then just come talk to me or Misael. We'd love to talk to you more about that. And then as we prepare our hearts as the church, as people who are followers of Christ, then just ask yourself the question, is there something in my life right now I need to confess? Is there a reason why I've drawn far away from God rather than drawn closer to God? Is there someone in my life I should tell my story to? Wouldn't it be cool if today at lunch, you just sat down around the dinner table And each of you took time to say, hey, let me tell you how I came to Christ. Let me tell you the story. Let me tell you my story, how I came to faith in Christ. I I was thinking about my grandparents. I I never heard their story firsthand. What a loss that is for me. I know they're believers, but I never got to hear it. How cool would it have been for us to have a moment where I could say, hey, granddad, would you tell me how you came to faith? I knew he was a man of faith, but I didn't ever hear it. For me to hear from my dad, I do know my dad's story, I do know my mom's story because they talk to me about it. For me to share my story with my kids. For my kids, oh, how cool is that? I got to walk it with them. And what a privilege I've had to be able to baptize all of my children. It's one thing to walk by their side. It's another thing to hear them say it themselves. How cool would it be for you today to write down your story, to share your story, to tell your story to a friend or to a family member? I hope you'll, I hope you'll do that. And as you think about your story, if there's something that would get in the way of you celebrating the Lord's Supper today, then as we sing, confess it and just ask God to move in your heart and your lives. I'm going to pray. After I pray, Jesus is going to sing for a little bit. If you need to place your faith in Christ or if you have questions, come talk to me or Misael. If you need to get right with God, you can use this as an altar. You can do it right there at your chair. But we'll stand and sing for a moment, and then I'll step back up, and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're so grateful to you for all that you've done, for who you are, for the life that you've given to us, for the love that you've shown us. I just find it so amazing, God, that in all of creation, you've never looked at any individual and thought, well, they're not important. Not everyone in this room has an important story to tell. And I pray that as you draw us close to you, that we would be the people who would introduce others to you. And that if there's someone in the room today who needs to place their faith in you, that they would. And for each of us, that we would celebrate and share our story well. We love you, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name.